I'm glad you're here today, and uh, this has been a, a great weekend for us, and hopefully it's been a, a great weekend for you. So uh, Easter, Easter is the single most important celebration or event in all of human history. And, and you know, every time you write a check, every time you sign a document, you proclaim something when you write 2016. 2016 from what? Well, 2016 years ago from where God came to the earth and it changed everything. And so every time we write something, we commemorate, we remember that that's what took place. So Easter, it wasn't just that God came to the earth, but, but uh, that he stepped into our place and he paid the price that we would have all had to pay. But he loved us, he loved his creation so much that he couldn't bear to see you and I pay that price. So he came on our behalf and he paid that price so that he could give us a free gift of salvation, which would mean a relationship with him now and eternity for all eternity with him. And, and not just that he died on the cross, but Easter is the celebration that he was raised from the dead. We, had, we believe as Christians that God, when he died on the cross for us and he was dead and buried, he was raised from the dead, which is why they've never been able to find his body, because he is alive. You see, in being raised from the dead, he proved that he was truly God and that he truly could save us. And that's something no one else could ever do. So that's what we celebrate today. Uh, there in your program, there is an outline. We put all the verses on the outline today. And so if uh, you don't have an outline, you want to raise your hand, we'll bring one to you. But I'm going to want you to underline a couple of things as we travel through. Uh, our, our theme for this, Christ, uh, this Christmas, uh, I am either way, be, way ahead or way behind. But uh, our theme for this Easter, it comes from John. John chapter 12, verse 46, there on the top of your outline. And Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. It was Jesus's, it is Jesus's desire that you and I enter into the light that he has for us, that Jesus is the light. He's the light for the world. When uh, you and I, as we walk through our house in the middle of the night when the lights are off, many times, if you're like me, I bump into things. But when you turn the light on, all of a sudden you see clearly. And, and so that is a kind of a picture of what it means to have him step into our lives and bring the light where all of a sudden we begin to see in a whole new way. So today I thought that we would look at a Bible story. It's one of my favorites. It comes from the Gospel of John and it's all about Jesus stepping in and bringing light. It's going to be a picture of, of our situation, our condition before we meet Jesus how we meet Jesus, and then what happens once we've met him. And so again, I put all the verses there in your outline. I'll read a few verses, then we'll stop, we'll make a few comments and have you underline and, and fill in some blanks, and then we'll, we'll move on through. So our story picks up today, it's, it's in, in Jesus' ministry, it's early morning on this one particular day, and there in your outline it says, as he went along, he saw a man, and I want you to underline, blind from birth, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I think that's an interesting thing that his, his disciples say that because many times we think that when something bad happens, we did something or somebody did something. And what we're going to find is that in this situation, it has nothing to do with anything anybody has done. It has to do with the fact that you and I live in a fallen world and sometimes bad things happen. So uh, Jesus wants to set the record straight. And so in verse 3, Jesus responds, 
And he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that, and I want you to underline this, the work of God might be displayed in his life. Now here's what we're going to find. This man is blind, and uh, when he encounters Jesus, Jesus tells us that everything that we're seeing here today is going to be so that we can see God's work displayed in his life. And what we're going to see in his life is the very same thing that we would see in our lives as we come to that relationship with him. So Jesus goes on, he says, uh, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Then he says, now as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I want you to underline, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. This is going to be a picture of God's work in our lives and how he brings that light into us. First of all, I'll just highlight very quickly that, that Jesus says it wasn't his sin, it wasn't his parents' sin, and so Jesus here dispels the notion that every time something happens, it's because somebody did something wrong. And, uh, but what I love about this is that Jesus reveals his heart for those who are hurting, and hopefully this will always be the heart or intention of our church. But go ahead and write this down. Jesus sees misery as an open door for ministry. And, and it's not the time for theories. It's time to do something practical to take action. And that's certainly what Jesus is going to do. Then as the light of the world, and I have that there on your outline, as the light of the world where it says verse 5, Jesus will use this man's condition to give us a picture of salvation. This is how God works in our lives. This is how, who we were before. It's who we are when we meet him. And here's what happens once we meet him. This man is blind, he's in darkness, and Jesus says that he is the light of the world. In our story today, as we consider that this is the work of God in this man's life and the work of God in our life, one of the things we'll notice is that nowhere in this story is this man's name ever given. And that's by design, so that we could place our name in this man's story. This is a story about all of us. So before we meet Jesus, if we were to travel through the Bible cover to cover, one of the things that we find is that the Bible teaches that you and I are in spiritual darkness. We're separated from God and that, that we are, we're, we're in what he would call darkness. And since this is a story and a picture of what God does in our lives, we're going to notice certain things about this man and they're the very same things that we would notice about ourselves. So I want you to go ahead and write some of these things down and we'll unpack them as we go. First of all, we notice that he's born blind. That, that's important for our study, and we, we underline that. That's important because this man is not recovering something that he lost. He never had it. He was born blind. And so, as I said a moment ago, the Bible teaches that for all of us, we come into this world and we're spiritually blind. And that's where we need Jesus to, to flip the switch, we might say. We also notice about this man, and I want you to write this down, that, that he can't fix his condition. He can't fix his condition. There's nothing that he can do to change his situation. And you and I live in a world where there's a lot of talk about believing in faith. And people say, you just got to believe. You just got to have faith. And other people will say, well, you got to believe. You know, have some faith in yourself. Believe in yourself. In this situation, this is a perfect picture to show how believing in himself or just having faith isn't going to fix his situation. 
There is nothing that this man can do to fix his situation. As a matter of fact, this man has been surrounded, I'm sure, his whole life by other people. They've tried different things, I would guess, to help this man in this situation. But where we find him today, he's going to come to the place where he's going to realize that Jesus is the only one who can fix his condition. And Jesus has a way of bringing us all to that place where we recognize that he is the only one who can fix our condition. If we were to go around the room today and tell our story, many of us would stand up and we would say, well, this is what I tried before I came to Jesus. And we'd list all the things that we did only to come to the place where we realized that none of it worked. None of it worked. The only thing that works is Jesus. When Jesus says, and we just underlined it a few moments ago in verse five, he says, I am the light of the world. We tend to read that and uh, we kind of gloss over it, but what he is saying in the wording, especially in the original language and certainly in the English, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he doesn't say, I am a light in the world. What he is saying is exclusive, it's singular. He is declaring that he and he alone is the light in the world. This man's going to find there is no other light than what it is that Jesus can bring him. Also, it's important to note as our story begins, just like the rest of us, you want to write this down, this man is not seeking the Lord, but the Lord is seeking him. He's not seeking the Lord, but the Lord is seeking him. This man didn't even know to look for Jesus, and so Jesus is now looking for him. And 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 it's like us, you know, before we met Jesus, for many of us, maybe we were looking for answers but we weren't necessarily looking for Jesus because like this man, he didn't know to look for Jesus and we didn't know to look for Jesus. So what we find is that Jesus is going to step in and it's Jesus who is going to be looking for him. Jesus shows up in his life. So our story begins with a man who needs help. He knows he needs help, but he just doesn't know where the answer is. And that's where Jesus shows up. And because this man didn't know Jesus and he didn't know even to look for Jesus, And because it's a picture of how God works in our life, you want to write this down, we're also going to find that he, the man, initiates nothing, but the Lord initiates everything. The Lord initiates everything. I I love that Jesus takes the initiative to show up in this man's life. This man is not looking for Jesus, so Jesus shows up in his life. For the man, it's just an ordinary day, just an ordinary day, but it's a day that Jesus shows up in his life. And then I I think most important, we need to write this down. You want to write this, uh, just being blind, he doesn't know what he's missing. He doesn't know what he's missing. You see, if we were to go around the room today and tell our story, we would all talk about a time where we didn't know the Lord. And there there was just something about that existence. And, And then one day Jesus shows up in our life, not that we were seeking him, but he shows up and he reveals himself. And all of a sudden the light goes on. And once it goes on, our entire existence changes. But we're still surrounded by people in our life, and that light hasn't gone on. And they look at us, and they think we're kind of strange, and they wonder about that. And so in that condition, he didn't even know what he was missing. And we've all, we've all been there. Well, as our story continues, we're going to pick it up in verse 6, and it says, And having said this, he, that's Jesus, spit on the ground, underline that, and made some mud, underline mud, with the saliva, and he put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, underline Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. And I've underlined came home seeing. So when Jesus steps into this man's life, just like for the rest of us, we notice something. We notice that the first thing before Jesus does anything else 
uh, he takes some mud that he's made and he puts it in the man's eyes. And when he does that, if you've ever had uh, mud or sand in your eye, and we all have, you know how irritating that can be. Because this is a picture of how God works in our life, you want to write this down, we're going to notice that for many of us that came this way, uh, we notice that God uses irritation to bring light. And so this is going to be the mechanism that God is going to use in this man's life. Most people statistically who don't grow up in the church, I grew up in the church, and but most people who don't grow up in the church, the way that they come to the Lord is typically through a very difficult time in their life, a very difficult situation where God uses the irritation. And so the way that we typically say that, we'll say that people come to the Lord through tension, trouble, or transition. You know, tension, things aren't going well in the marriage, and all of a sudden God uses that to bring us to him. Trouble, the bottom's fallen out. You know, there's a loss of a loved one. There's a bankruptcy. Uh, Transition, there's been a move. There's been a loss of a relationship or separation. And so God uses those difficult times to bring us to him. And so in order to bring this man to light, God is going to use irritation in his life. And one of the things I would, I would add to that is that if we were to tell our story, for many of us, it had to get really bad before we were really ready to receive what it is that God had for us. And if you can imagine just the dirt in your eye, how bad that can be. But it's what God used. We're also going to find that later on in our story, this man is going to point to the mud, the irritation, as a great thing because that's what God used in his life. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But what I find interesting, and if you've been around the Bible for any length of time, if you haven't been around the Bible, this might not make a lot of sense to you, but if you've been around the Bible for some time, you've heard in the Old Testament, there's this word, and you'll hear the word Shiloh. How many of you have heard the word Shiloh from the the Old Testament? Well, we hear that word, and that word Shiloh in the Old Testament means the one sent or the sent one. It, It was always in the Old Testament a reference to the coming Messiah, the Christ, Jesus. It was always a reference to him. So much so that if we, uh, there on, your, on the screen, all the way back in Genesis, it says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes, or predicting Shiloh to come. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The word Shiloh means sent one or the one who is sent. And uh, whoever the sent one is, ultimately to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So the ancient Hebrews began to look at this as a prophecy of the coming Messiah, the coming Christ. Well, another verse there on the screen, back in Isaiah, 700 years or so before Jesus is even born, it says, inasmuch, and this is a prophecy, it says, inasmuch as these people have rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh. Now, what's interesting there, again, Shiloh just means the sent one, But this is a prediction that when he shows up, that he would be rejected. They rejected what it is that that he brought. So you have this this word Shiloh. Well, that's how you say it in the Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. About 300 years before Jesus was born, they translated the Old Testament into Greek because that's the language that everybody spoke. When you take the word Shiloh from the Hebrew and you translate it into the Greek, it's no longer pronounced Shiloh, it's now pronounced Siloem, Siloam. But it means the one that is sent. And so Jesus uh, uses this, this 
pool, Siloam, which means the one sent. It comes from the Hebrew Shiloh. And the idea is that, that God uses the irritation in this man's life to get him to Shiloh, Siloam, which means the one sent, a reference to the coming Christ. We would say Jesus. It will be there as he gets to that place where he's washed. And because he's washed, now he comes out seeing. And so there's a, a, layer, you know, a few layers there. Do you find that interesting? I don't have another service to take it out of, so that it's, it's, I don't know if it's, But that's how God works in many of our lives. He uses that irritation, and it's that irritation that he uses to bring us to that place of relationship with him. We also see in our story today that this man, when he encounters Jesus, has to have enough faith to actually take action. You see, when the mud is there... And Jesus says, have to go to the pool of Siloam, Shiloh, or uh, the coming Messiah, the one sent. There, there was other water that would be closer. But Jesus says, you have to go there. It's the one place that you can go. He could have went to any pitcher of water and washed, but, but that wouldn't be the faith that would make him to be able to see. So something happens in this that he believes that if he goes there, something's going to happen. Well, there on your outline, Paul tells us how this works. Paul says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And then he says, and that, that is the faith, is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Paul tells us that when you and I, when you and I are saved, we become believers. When the light goes on, that's a gift that comes from the Lord. That's a gift that comes from Jesus. But it even goes on to say that even the ability to see The faith to believe is also a gift. So when Jesus encounters this man, not only does he say, go to Siloam, but Jesus gives him the faith to believe that. And that's how it happens, or how it's happened in many of our lives. There was a time we weren't looking for him, and then he shows up in our life. And for many of us, it was in a time where there was a great irritation. And he speaks to us. And somehow something inside says yes, and we believe. And we found ourselves being washed, and we found ourselves seeing. And once that took place, like this man, everything changed. We're going to find that this man, as it says, he comes back seeing, his entire existence is completely changed. So our story continues, and as a picture of salvation, we're going to notice, again, as he comes back seeing, in verse 8, it says, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And I've underlined that. Now, some claim that he was, and others says, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I I love this because as a picture of salvation, the people who saw him before, once he's gone from darkness to light, his his transformation is going to be very, very dramatic. To the point where, because it's a picture of conversion, what a real conversion looks like, we should write this down, his change will be obvious to everyone. His change will be obvious to everyone. And the change is so dramatic when the light goes on that they begin to ask questions. In verse 10 it says, So how then will your eyes open? They demanded. And uh, he replied, The man they call Jesus. And I want you to underline that. And then also notice it says, made some mud, made some mud, and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I was washed, and then I could see. 
And, and so what we see, because he's been converted, all of a sudden, you want to write this down, he's ready and willing to tell his story about what Jesus did for him. And we'll find that he's really ready to tell that story. Now, um, if somebody is blind and somebody steps into their life and because of their stepping in, their existence has been blindness and somebody steps in and does something and now they can see. If somebody were to say, how are you able to see? The person who can see would never say, oh, it, it's, it's a private thing. We'd be excited and we'd want to tell everyone. Does that make sense? That's what conversion looks like. So there's something very exciting when Jesus steps in and turns the light on. And for those of us who've experienced that, we know, we know. It's a different experience altogether. Also, uh, notice verse 11, it says, he said, the man they called Jesus. I love that because here, what we're going to find is all he knows is his name. He doesn't have all the theological questions answered. He doesn't know that Jesus is God, the second person in the Trinity, how all that works out. He just knows that the man called Jesus, he was touched by Jesus, and now everything has changed. So it's going to be a progressive understanding. And then just for fun, uh, I noticed there in verse 11, he says, the man called Jesus, and then it says, and he made some mud. Does everybody see that? He made some mud. Did you notice that he leaves out the part where Jesus spit on the ground? And you want to know why? Because he, he was blind. He didn't actually see that part. So he's, he's... But here's the thing. He says he made some mud. So now all of a sudden, that irritation that God used, he's now willing to talk about that irritation as he talks about what God did to bring him to the place where he sees. And for many of us, many of us in this room, we look back to that time where there was a great irritation in our life. It was a difficult time. And we look back and we see that God used that to bring us to that place where we're following him. And so for many of us, uh, we've, we've uh, even some have developed ministries telling the story of the irritation that God used because it's part of the story. And now this man is thankful for the fact that God allowed that mud in his eyes because he sees what God wanted to do through it. I love this part. Um, Verse 12, it says, they say, where is the man, they asked. I don't know, he said, so go ahead and write this down. He doesn't have all the answers, but he knows what Jesus did for him. I love that because new believers don't have all the answers. They don't have all of their theological questions answered. What they do know is that Jesus has done something in their life. Their existence is very different, and they're ready to tell anybody who will listen. Now, I had you write down two times Uh, what Jesus did for him. And the reason I did that is we've only gone through the first 12 verses of this chapter. Later on today, if you go home and you read the rest of the chapter, here's what you're going to find. This man is ready and willing to tell his story about what Jesus did for him, and he'll tell it to anybody who asks him. It's an interesting story. I encourage you to read it. That's what conversion looks like. You realize you were blind. There was an irritation had to go to Siloam, Shiloh, the place of Jesus. And it's there we were washed. And something happened. All of a sudden, the lights go on and we see. And when the lights go on, everything changes. And we know that because now we're willing to tell whoever wants to know, this is what Jesus did for me. It's a picture of conversion. That's what we celebrate here on Easter. We were blind. We, We were in a hopeless situation. We could not fix our situation. And we knew it. 
And Jesus, because he created us and he loves us, he steps into our situation. He revealed himself to us. Not that we were seeking him, but he was seeking us. He initiated the relationship. For some of us, many of us, he allowed some irritation in our life to bring us to the place where we could get to him, be washed, and then see. And once we saw, everything changed. And so as a believer here today, we celebrate that. But maybe uh, you've never had that experience. You've never had that time in your life where that spiritual light has gone on. But maybe right now you're in that place where you have that irritation and you know that you can't fix your situation. And you've come to the place where you realize that there's nothing that you can do to change your existence. I would tell you that your being here today is his initiation in your life. You're here today because there's something that he wants to do. And I know it involves you beginning a relationship with him. And I know that because we as Christians believe that we are created. The reason that God created you, first and foremost, is so that he could have a relationship with you and you could have a relationship with him. He didn't have to create you, but he did. And the reason that he did is because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And maybe he's, maybe he's using some irritation in your life to bring you to that place where you're ready to get to just the right place, the pool of Siloam. We'd say Jesus to be washed so that you can see. And here's what I can tell you. If that takes place and you invite him in, your existence will change. It will be dramatic. People around you will see and you'll be more than happy to share what it is that Jesus has done in your life. You won't have all the answers, but you'll be ready to share what it is that he's done in your life. I can also tell you this. As the lights go on spiritually and you invite him in, you allow him to step in to your life, all of your problems will not go away. As a matter of fact, you're going to have some difficult times. You're going to walk through the difficulties of life because we're here in a fallen world. This is not heaven. Heaven is another place we get there in the future. But right now we're here. But here's what's different. When you invite him in, as you go through those difficult times, you no longer walk through them alone. You walk through them with him. He carries you through. He gives you wisdom. He gives you insight. He protects. He opens doors. He closes doors. You're his. And he leads you as you go through. And it's in those difficult times that you'll find that your relationship with him goes deeper and deeper and deeper. So as I close in prayer for this part of our our service today, two things. One, for those of us who've had that light go on, we remember, we celebrate what it is that he's done in our life. And that's what we're doing here at Easter, celebrating what he's done. But also there's the opportunity that if you've not had that experience or that decision, we might say to say, Jesus, come into my life. You have that opportunity today. And I'll say a simple prayer I I find it interesting that for this man to come to the place of light, seeing where his existence changes, there's no ritual. There's no no, uh, incantation. There's just get to Siloam, be washed, everything happens. So it's not the prayer. It's not the wording. It's uh, the heart that we have before him that says, come in, take me. I want that. I want that light to go on. And if you want that light to go on, here's his promise. He'll step in and he'll never leave. He'll never leave. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, as we, we uh, 
come to this place. We thank you so much that we get to celebrate what it is that you did on our behalf and how, for many of us, you used that irritation. And uh, we weren't seeking you, but you were seeking us. And you initiated everything, and we brought nothing to the table. But you made it, and you gave us the faith to believe. And we were washed, and then we saw. And then inside of us, something happened, and we were willing to share and say, whoever wants to know, I'm, re- I'm ready to tell, even though I don't have all the answers. And then, Lord, for, for those of us who are here today, and we were to say, I've, I, I don't know that I've ever come to that place. Or maybe it's in that place right now where you're feeling the irritation. And we just look to you, Jesus, and we say, Jesus, I want the lights to go on. I want you to step into my life. Forgive me of anything I've ever done, anything that's been a barrier between you and I. I I want you. I want that light to go on. I want that change in existence from blindness to light, from not seeing to seeing. And as best as I know how, I'm going to follow you as you have the lights go on and you cause me to see. Now the Bible says he's standing at the door and he's knocking and if you open up, he comes in and the great thing is he never leaves. If you've made that decision today, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. First of all, let somebody know, whoever it is that you came with today, let them know. They, they want to just share in, in the excitement of that. Second of all, if you'd let us know by simply marking that on your card today so that we can send you some information. We're not going to show up on your doorstep. Just let us know so that we can send you something to help you get started. And also after the service, there's going to be some prayer partners standing by. They would love to pray with you as you solidify this decision. Father, thank you so much for this Easter. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.